What's up, everybody? This is Eve with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to giving you the right health and fitness information that is both practical, actionable, and evidence-based. This is season two of the podcast, and we are so excited. We're going to have a little less interviewing. We're going to do some more topic-based discussions with myself and some of the Made to Move physical therapy and performance team. Maybe have some guest hosts out there. We are so excited for season two. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting us. If you have any questions for me or the crew, just search Healthy Charleston on Instagram or you can reach out to us directly at made to move pt.com that is the number two thanks so much see you soon what's up guys welcome back to the healthy charleston podcast so for today's episode i got to sit down with drew dryling from agape health solution and essentially i just got to rant about healthcare reform and holistic medicine so this was a great one for me But actually, so Drew is super passionate about integrative medicine. It was really cool hearing about his story, his beliefs, his whole approach. He's very, very thorough, very comprehensive. So this was a longer one because we just honestly had so much to talk about. And this is definitely a topic that I would love to learn more about. He has written a couple of books. I think he's in the process of his third. He teaches a course, um, look up the Dryling Health Solution. Um, and he really just has a cool outlook on health and taking control and ownership and, and viewing things as an opportunity. So yeah, this was an awesome one. Very informative. If you have the same opinions, you'll probably get super fired up. Yeah, so we hope you enjoy. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today I have health and nutrition coach and personal trainer, Drew Dryling. So thanks for being here. Happy to have you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. So tell me a little bit about what you do here in Charleston. So yeah, um, health and nutrition coach, personal trainer. So really two distinct services. Um, the health and nutrition side is really holistic, holistic focused. I say holistic, integrative, evidence-based. So we're going to look at people's physical condition. We're going to look at each body system. We're going to look at sleep, exercise, nutrition, stress management, medical and dental interventions, the whole whole big picture. Yeah. So really trying to take kind of that 10,000 foot view of somebody's health. And then really getting granular, but also keeping it real specific as far as what's a, it's a personalized approach. So what are the interventions we can make, the daily habits, and also on the the healthcare side, what interventions can we make that are going to give them the most positive results Mm -hmm. and help them meet their health goals? So that's the health and nutrition piece, a little more involved with that. And then the personal training piece uh, that I've been doing on and off for about 15 years now. So really that's kind of a, have settled into kind of a hybrid style of kind of corrective therapeutic Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you have to do no arm and you have to work around um, joint issues, which a lot of people have. And then just kind of natural functional movement patterns, mm-hmm. those common functional patterns people are doing every day. And then also just traditional kind of strength and cardio, just yeah. to, to build muscle, burn fat. So it's really an infusion of kind of those three, uh, you could say, distinct approaches. So, And then I, I do some educational products. I wrote... Uh, my second book last year, oh, I did the wow. first one in 2018. So those are both on Amazon. And then I did an online course at the end of last year too. So that's oh, through Teachable. Cool. What are your books called? So it's um, uh, The Driving Health Solution. Okay. So 
Um, those are both out there, and I'm hoping to do a third edition maybe next year sometime. Mm-hmm. Do you so, keep updating it? I do. Just, okay. I do. So I use, I mean, some of the same material, but I'm, I'm always researching yeah. and trying to add evidence-based stuff mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully getting better as a writer. And so, um, yeah, this last one was 440 pages. Hey, yeah. So it's it's kind of a compendium. It's, it's a little more like a mini encyclopedia for somebody that just wants basic essential knowledge on, you know, anatomy, physiology, mm-hmm. sleep, exercise, nutrition. There's some environmental health, hygiene stuff in there. Wow. Yeah. Very much a holistic, integrative mm-hmm. approach, you know, so, but yeah. And then what was your course? Um, you it's called uh, the Agape Health 101 course. Yeah. You okay. know, but it's really, so my story is in 2008, I got diagnosed with um, an autoimmune condition mm-hmm. in early 2008. And I was on track. I was doing my master's work in clinical counseling. I was working at MUSC okay. at the Institute of Psychiatry. So I was very much on this kind of mental health track. Yeah. And then my body just started shutting down, you know, at 27 years old. So that really, that, it was a blessing in disguise, which I came to realize later because it really got me to look at my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It got me to look at how I was sleeping, what I was eating, how I was training, which was not balanced, just the stress that was in my life, Mm -hmm. the medications I was taking, just the whole thing. And that kind of, that led me into um, holistic health coaching, which I got certified two years later. Uh, but that first year was really just in crisis mode, like trying to figure out what was wrong with my body, trying to figure out all my digestive issues, my joint pain, my yeah, low like energy. Where did it start? How did you figure out, oh, like I don't feel the same? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say um, for, for my situation, it was, it was gradual, mm-hmm. um, but it just started to be that I, I'd always had some, not always, but from the time I was a teenager, I always had kind of some joint issues. Mm-hmm. But I just figured I was highly active. I played, uh, ended up playing college basketball. So I just thought this was just normal wear and tear. Yeah. I look back on it now, and it was like the check engine light was on. But and I just, like, I just, just yeah, normal. yeah, because yeah. you can, st- you're still functional at somewhat of a high level, so you just end up tolerating it. Yeah. And then fast forward to mid late twenties was in a relationship that was very stressful, was doing master's work, was highly involved at my church, was still working as a personal trainer that I'd just gotten into and was doing that for about 18 months. And it was just this uh, conflux of all these different factors. A lot of stress. A lot of stress, a lot of bad nutritional inputs, not exercising enough. Then when I was exercising, it was out of balance. I think the antibiotic piece... Mm-hmm. Kind of decimated, just antibiotic use over the course of years had decimated my gut. Some of the medications I'd take had really taken a toll on my liver and kidneys. And it was, I just ran into, you know, hyperinflammation and a lot of leaky gut issues. And you started getting worse. I started getting to worse. To the point where you're like, I can't tolerate And I had to go, right. And so I had to, I had to get some answers. So I went to yeah. see a provider and was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. And that was really the wake up call. That was like, okay, you know. Something is wrong. I and, have to change something. Yeah, and, and and I think that was really the that's kind of the fork in the road. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. come to when they get that diagnosis or they hit that. Um, it's probably the diagnosis or where their body just shuts down. You have a choice. Like, do you either accept it and just say, "I'm just going to manage this and I'm going to mm-hmm. do whatever the provider says or whatever my friends say or whatever I think I should do," or are you going to search for answers? Yeah, you know. And and I think that's more labor intensive. And there's usually ownership. It is. And so there's more response. You have to take responsibility for it, but it's empowering as well, you know? So, and that's what was that, that was a really tough year, 2008, but it was also very eye opening. That was kind of the beginning of the journey for me. Mm -hmm. I'd never looked at what I'd eaten. I'd never really considered, Oh, do medications have a side effect? Oh, I'm, I'm exercising, but what am I doing? 
Is it balanced? Is it good yeah. for my body? I think like we talk to people all the time who now are in the health and wellness industry who like thought they were living healthy lives, you know, on paper. It's like, boy, well, I, I exercise, you know, I eat fine. And then they have all this like stress in their life that yeah. they don't realize. And then something happens like, right. And then you have to decide, did this happen to me? Or did I like, did I have a say in it? Did my choices lead to this? So it's like, are you the victim or was it because of your actions and your choices? Right. And when you get away from like the victim mentality and you, like you are empowering yourself, like taking ownership is huge. Right. Cause it's not like, Oh, I did this to myself. It's I, I did this, but now I can change it. Like right. I have the power and the ability to take ownership of my healthcare and do something about right. it. Right. And I, and I think that, for a lot of people, it's probably both, right? Like we live in a, in a culture that doesn't make it easy to be healthy, no. you know, and there, and, and there's definitely trauma and things that happen to yeah. people that have a residual effect on them. But it is, it's like, we kind of, uh, it's the old Dr. Haas quote, whether you like him or not, but it's, it's like genetics load the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. But, and that is on one hand, it's intimidating because you do have to take ownership and responsibility. But on the other hand, it's like, wow, this is empowering. And I can look at my lifestyle and as much as it's in my power, I can try to figure out how to get better sleep. I can try to figure out how to move better. How do I correct um, some of my imbalances, uh, my musculoskeletal issues with exercise or with the ergonomics at my workstation? Mm -hmm. And then how do I heal my gut? You know, how do I feed the cells and tissues of my body? You know, and then just just having a, I guess it's just just critical thinking, right? It's just kind of looking at everything in your life, which is which is a lot of factors, but it's looking at all those factors and saying, is this having a positive or negative effect? And then trying to take action steps over time. Yeah. I mean, it's a commitment for sure. And I don't think a lot of people, at least maybe now, you know, it's starting to be more prevalent, but most people don't really think about sleep. They don't really think about nutrition. If you exercise, you know, they're like, is it, they don't really think, is it balanced? Am I overtraining? Blah, blah, blah. Like, am I stressed? People don't think about those things. Right. Um, but the more people I talk to, like, I think it's becoming more prevalent. I think so. So what, what was your process? Like what happened? Yeah. So the, um, the diagnosis was February, 2008. Um, a great year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I know. Right. Another recession, another downturn. Um, but yeah, it's like that. It's like that. What was that JFK quote about the, the Japanese character being, um, the Japanese character for crisis is danger and opportunity. Oh. You've seen that? And I think yeah. that's that's kind of what it was. Like the opportunity was, this is an opportunity for lifestyle yeah. change, but there's a risk involved. So it was February 2008 was the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really started, after I, I got that diagnosis, I was told that there really wasn't a lot of hope for me. There's no cure. Um, we can manage this through um, NSAIDs, through yeah. biologics. My, my lower back was, was really hurting, so we were talking about surgery at that time. Oh, my gosh. And so it, it, was, it was really just, it was painkillers, it was steroids, uh, a corticosteroid cream for, because I had the, the standard um, red scaly patches yeah. and psoriatic arthritis. Yeah. So I had the red scaly patches on my elbows and knees. And you were like, let me just give you back surgery. And that was it. It As was like... first solution. And, and I think the temptation for a lot of people is you want the thing that's going to get you out of pain the fastest. Definitely. You know, and so that's the, I, I think why it's difficult is a lot of the holistic approach sounds good, but it is, it is labor intensive and it's involved and it requires you taking ownership and it requires you being an active participant in your own wellness where, and there's definitely a place for drugs and surgery. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, an, it, 
to all those factors influence your health and to think that a pill or to think that a surgery is probably going to solve all your issues unless it's Mm -hmm. totally localized yeah. You know, unless you have something in your body that's like you have a torn ligament, you have a torn tendon. Yeah, very specific. Very, very Not specific. Not like chronic pain, that's every it. joint, my that's whole right. body. That's right. You have a system. That's right. You have a, a systemic Logically. issue. That's right. And I think most of the things that we're dealing with, while there's definitely localized pain and, and past things, um, things that probably got its genesis from injury, a lot of our things are body-wide. You know, cardiovascular disease is a body-wide ailment. Mm-hmm. Cancer, there's a real paradigm shift going on right now with cancer where they're looking at it as a, a it's called a metabolic mitochondrial disorder, but basically a systemic disorder. You know, I mean, you even think about things like diabetes, oh, yeah. you know, or Alzheimer's, a lot of people, which has now been uh, called type 3 diabetes because yeah. of some of the similarities with diabetes. Mm-hmm. So these things are affecting multiple organ systems. You know, so um, I think that's the difficulty, though, is it, it means we have to look at a lot of different things, you know, both on the body and in the lifestyle. And I think, frankly, people get confused. And, and I think that's the, the, the biggest challenge I had in early 2008 was just trying to make sense of what was going on. So the first six months was just fact finding. I was just I was trying things. There was a lot of I was doing a lot of research. I was talking to different providers. I went and got a second and third opinion. Um, for you. Yeah, I'm but it really, but I didn't, and some of this is that the healthcare system doesn't give you a whole lot of time with providers, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have 10, maybe 20 minutes with a provider, but usually 10, then you don't really have enough time for somebody to ask the questions and do the detective Look work. Look at your whole life. That's right. You, you really don't. So you can really, you're really just dealing with what's the primary symptom that's really messing you up and let me try to alleviate that, even if it's not a root, yeah. dealing with a root issue. So that was, the first six months was that. So there really wasn't a lot of progress, but there was a lot of change. And then it kind of clicked that a lot of this was gut-related. And that was kind of the starting point for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of autoimmune conditions are, are leaky gut mm-hmm. because 70% of the immune system resides in the gut lining. Oh. You know? So when the gut is, um, when the gut is dysfunctional, the immune system is going to be dysfunctional. You know? And a lot of times, and this not to rant on autoimmune diagnosis, but autoimmune diagnosis, in a lot of cases, is a junk door diagnosis. In other words, conventional mainstream medicine has no idea what's going on. They haven't done a battery of tests that they need to. Some, some of the reason is because those are specialty tests that insurance doesn't cover. And so they're saying the immune system is attacking itself or the immune system is attacking the body. Mm-hmm. It's attacking um, it's kind of like native. One thing covers all. And, it, and it's, it's really not. Usually you have multiple co-infections yeah. or you have hyperinflammation that stems from the gut or you have multiple injuries in the past and you have scar tissue. So you have all these different layers that are contributing to a a systemic inflammatory condition, Mm -hmm. whether it's Hashimoto's thyroiditis or whether it's psoriatic arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, but we're just putting them in this miscellaneous drawer Mm -hmm. and we're calling it autoimmune disease. Yeah. You know, and I think we're doing it in part because the medical community on the mainstream side isn't trained to look at health this way. I mean, you, you know yeah. that, and I'm sure you've had this conversation yeah. many times, but they're, they're not trained at the medical school level is where it starts. Mm-hmm. And then even continuing education to take that 10,000 foot view and yeah, learn pharmacology and learn emergency medicine, but you also have to learn lifestyle medicine. You yeah. have to be able to know what the gold standard is for sleep and for exercise and for nutrition and for mm-hmm. stress and be able to communicate that to your patients. And that's asking a lot of a provider but that's why they have 11 to 15 years of I mean, medical that's school. That's the point, right? Like right. we always talk about like why are exercise and nutrition not on the front lines of prescriptions? Like why aren't we trying these things first? And you know, I get frustrated. I think everybody does with like 
this whole, you know, bad doctors. But it's like, I don't think anyone becomes a doctor to be a bad doctor. Right. It's just like, what tools do, have they been given? What are they prepared to do? And then when they're pressured to, you know, see a patient every 10 minutes. That's right. Like, they're gonna. They're doing the most that they can given their resources and their time. It's just like we need to fix it on a level higher than that's the right. individual doctor. That's right, and that's a great point because it's really easy to throw stones at doctors mm-hmm. and saying these doctors, these doctors. But you're right. The intention of a lot of these doctors are they go into medical medical school because they want to help people. Yeah. They're sacrificing for years and years. A lot of them are going into 150, 200, 200,000 dollars in yeah. debt. You know, and then and then they go into this system that really it's like running a race with one leg tied behind your back. And uh, and I've and I've heard that story from doctors. I worked in integrative medicine in San Diego, oh, and wow. and for for a physician who was a, an osteopath, mm-hmm. classically trained, which at that time osteopaths were pretty much trained like MDs, and he had practiced for ten years or so, and he was just tired of of the poor outcomes. So he transitioned into bringing in some more complementary and alternative therapies, and got a lot better outcomes. And so now he has an integrative practice, you know. And I think that that's definitely growing, but. The system itself doesn't help doesn't help the doctors. No, I have talked so. to a lot of doctors who are like, I want out. Like, I want to do yeah. something different. Right. Because having seven minutes with a patient, like, isn't enough to. I mean, you know, if I have strep throat, like, yeah, it's probably going to be yeah. enough. But for all the chronic disease and the the metabolic disease we have going on right now, like, it's just not enough to to ask, what are you feeling, and let me give you something to fix that feeling. It's like, let's get a little bit. Deeper, you have you, ha- you definitely have to get deeper, you know. And it also comes from the patient because so many that's, patients now come to the doctor, you know, see, give me a fix. And, I just want to be fixed. And that's and that's a great point too. So it's a it's a total symbiotic relationship. It's a there's a system problem, there's a problem at the medical school level, yeah, there's a problem at probably physicians and a lot of that culture, but it's also the patient, you know, and there's a lot of pressure from the patient. Oh, yeah. In part because of the 196 countries in the world, there are two that allow direct-to-consumer marketing from the pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. to the consumers, New Zealand and the United States. You know, so when, when and, and whether we're paying attention to the commercials or not, or just watching a couple in a bathtub looking at a sunset, <laughs> it's just like you, you're still sold this idea that this is a medication that's really going to help your It'll issue. change your life. That's right. Or you're talking to your friends about it. And so there's a lot of brand awareness for those medications. So when you go see your provider, it's like, listen, I want to get out of this pain as quickly as possible. And if the, the thing that I'm being sold is this medication or this mm-hmm. surgery, then that's absolutely what I want. And you really can't blame people. When that's what they're saturated with, and that's they go their to their doctor, that's right, and they go to their doctor saying, "I have high cholesterol, and all of my friends are taking a statin drug. I, I think yeah. I should be on a statin drug." Yeah, it definitely puts the doctor in a corner, and like right. all of my med school friends, they're like, "It's a lot of pressure on doctors, and it's like it's hard to be a doctor because people come to you and they're like." If you make a mistake, you know, like you're almost done for, right. and people will trash you because you made a mistake. But it's like. You know, mistakes happen all the time. Obviously, it's, you know, it's a high-pressure situation and surgery and things like that. But, yeah, people just go to doctors and they think that they're, like, angels. And they're right. going to fix everything and they always have to be right. And it's like, I mean, even you as a patient had to do all this extra research. Right, right. And so, yeah. Well, and I think and I think that's the, the gap. I mean, and there is a gap on just your, your general, your um, family practice providers. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at um, some of the data... For, from what specialties that medical students are picking, I mean, obviously some of it's financially motivated, yeah. right? If you can make five hundred thousand dollars, you know, ten years down the road as an orthopedic surgeon, versus two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in family practice 
well, what are you going to pick that's going to allow you to get out of debt faster yeah. and to have the quality of life that you want to have down the road? So it's, it's interesting to me that we have such hyper-specialization, you know, that we don't have those old country doctors that had training in a whole, in a lot of different areas so that yeah. they could see someone and they had enough general knowledge to be able to help 99 out of a hundred people that they see. Yeah. No, now you know. they tell you specialize as much as you can. That's right. Even in PT school, people told me like, if you can be a hand PT, like right. that's the way to go. Cause that's how you make more money. That's right. But it's like, at the end of the day, if you don't like what you're doing five days out of the week, but it makes you more money. Right. Like, are you happy? Is that really what you wanted out of this or would you rather actually help people make less money but enjoy every right. single day and that and that speaks to the need for i mean medical not just medical school reform but reform oh. on any of our healthcare professions or just higher right education. exactly yeah. and just to say listen we have to figure out a way i'm not saying it's easy but we have to figure out a way so that people aren't so motivated to choose the area of, mm-hmm. of medicine or the area of healthcare that they want to practice based on how much money that they're going to make you know down the road yeah. you know so that's um I, I, I don't think that's an easy thing to do, but that's a problem that has to be solved. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of people, most people become doctors because they want to help people, but like also that salary is pretty tempting too. Right. I remember when I was choosing like what I wanted to do, I was like, okay, there's medical school, there's PT school, blah, 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 and I was considering DO school because mm-hmm. I've always you know wanted to look at the whole body, the whole person, and everyone was like, DOs are just people that don't get an MD school. People like trashed right. that and right. and just said it wasn't good enough or it wasn't the real thing. And it's like, first of all, I don't really know why we have separate schools because if you're treating the whole human body, I feel like it's the same thing, but whatever. And like, why would you, I don't know. It's just, there is definitely a stigma against DO school. And so if me, a person can get into both and all of my friends are telling me, don't do this one, then I'm probably going to be pressured and feel like I should do MD just because people say that it's better. Right. And I think we're I think we're kind of at a crux in the road though, whereas we've done this allopathic model. I mean, at the allopathic model, which is and I don't want to say just drugs and surgery, but that model that you're not seeing the patient for very long, mm-hmm. the medical training is really focused on pharmacology and surgical interventions and high-tech medicine, and I would say high-tech diagnostic tools as well, whether that's MRI or whatever it is. Um, that's really ruled the day for at least the last 100 years. Going back to the Flexner Report of 1910, so this is at least a century old. When and you can get in, you can go down the rabbit hole and look at like, was this a takeover? Was this an intentional takeover? You know, to have control over the medical schools and the medical school curriculum Ooh. by the pharmaceutical companies. It was the Carnegie Foundation was involved. The Rockefellers were involved. Oh my so gosh. you can definitely go. Yeah, so you can go down that rabbit hole. And there was some definitely there was some needed reform. I think what's missed. The Flexner report is, is interesting because Abraham Flexner, A, was not a doctor, but he was charged with going around in the United States and Canada looking at all of the medical schools. And this was osteopathic schools, chiropractic schools, MD, DO schools, um, and, and, and really just do, and doing a write-up, kind of a comprehensive report on what's the condition of these schools. You know, and, and which of these uh, really need major reform and which of them should just be shut down. The result of that was the majority of medical schools in the United States were shut down, but it definitely um, kind of the, the variety of schooling that you could choose and that was accepted yeah. in the public side really changed. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was this kind of pleiotropic view of, well, you can, you, we had this eclectic, eccentric view of medicine at the turn of the 20th century where people understood like you, you have 
drugs and surgery and allopathic medicine. Then you have kind of this more holistic approach over here and this alternative approach. And you can kind of merge those two. Well, there was that, that takeover and the Flexner Report was probably the beginning of that takeover. But we've had, it's like the old saying, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We've had a hundred years of this. Yeah. Of just kind of, of, of trusting, having a lot of blind trust in we're not going to look at our lifestyle. We're just going to trust the government on their dietary guidelines. We're going to trust that those aren't influenced yeah. by big food or by any kind of lobbying or whatever. And we're going to trust the pharmaceutical industry with our health. You know, and, and look at where look at where it's gotten us. We are the of the what is it, 155 countries that have more than a million people. The United States spends the most on health care of any country yeah. in the world, more than ten thousand dollars per person. If you're gonna spend that much money on healthcare, you would expect that your outcomes would be mm-hmm. un I mean we should be the healthiest people if we're gonna spend that much. But you look at our rates, we're the we're the fattest country in the world of all the countries that have more than five million people, we're the fattest. Our rates of diabetes have gone through the roof over the last 35 years. That's right. Anything that's really related to a metabolic condition, Mm -hmm. you know, since 1980 has just skyrocketed. So something has to change. If you look at, when you look at it and you really think about it, it's not logical. Like why do we pay so much money to insurance companies who have no idea what they're covering? Why do I have to justify what I'm doing as a doctor to someone sitting at a desk? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why do we have this middleman? Right, right. Big pharma, you know, you could go down that whole route. But, I mean, how long did it take for you to educate yourself on all those things? And you are highly motivated. You're into this. It's affected you directly. Think about all the people that don't feel that motivation. Right. It hasn't affected them yet. Like, they don't feel the push to go do this research right. by themselves. Right. And their doctor probably hasn't gotten the chance to talk about it or do it either. Well, and I think that's the need, that speaks to the need for education. And that's why it, writing writing big books and putting together online courses isn't super fun, but there's such a knowledge gap right now, mm-hmm. you know, of people. I mean, this to me, this should be essential curriculum. We do reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, for children. Um, and that's part of the, you know, you need to be able to do those things coming out of high school. But there's such a gap with, the, the knowledge, the essential knowledge that's needed to be a functional human being in our society. How do you, you have one body, you know, like you, you, that's, that's it. it, you know, that's right. You <laughs> that's know, and, and you have recess, yeah. although recess gets cut, you know, and yeah. Jim and Jim gets cut, you know, when they're doing know. budget cuts. So it's just, to me, it's like there, it, it starts, it really starts with education. I mean, we can pick on, and, and there definitely needs to be medical school reform and reform for all healthcare education, but it really starts. It starts with elementary school. Yeah, I mean, it starts yeah, as much as possible. Like, what do you remember from fifth grade, sixth grade? Because I don't Nothing. remember what I learned about algebra and calculus in high school. You know, like I don't remember any of that stuff. Yeah, did it get me to where I needed to be for a test? Right. Yeah, but obviously, you know, standardized testing is a whole other conversation. But I never learned anything about exercise or nutrition. Right. Anything like that never stuck. We had 20 minutes for recess. And if you were bad, that got taken away from you. You were punished. Right. And so, like, movement and exercise was now a punishment. It was just... No one liked PE class because they made you do sprints. Right. I mean, just like, what are we ingraining in people? Right. Yeah. There's an association there that somehow this mm-hmm. is a negative association and it really should be a positive association. And the message should be like, you know, I, I had a, a buddy of mine who, who owned a gym that I used to train at and he, he would always say, and whether this is true or not, he would say, nothing feels as, what do you say? Nothing tastes as good as being fit feels. 
right? And I don't know if that's true. There's some things know. that taste pretty dog, pretty <laughs> doggone good. I think but you can have a donut. And right, like exactly. It. I do too. But it was just the association, and I think that was that was a big part for me too of just wanting to be. You have to want it. You have to, and you have to change. I think your mindset from I have to do this or I should do this to I get to do this. Yeah. You know, it's like these are things. It's the celebration of discipline. These are the things that allow me. To have the body that I want, to be out of pain, mm-hmm. to have the energy levels that I want. And there there are many sacrifices and things that are uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable all the time. Well, and the, and like and the reward is worth it. Of That's right. Allows your whole the rest of your life to be comfortable. Right. So it's like what's you're gonna have to pay somehow. Right. So what would you rather pay? Like right. an hour a day of working out so that the other twenty three hours can be great. Right. Or would you rather not do anything and then your life expectancy is shorter, your quality of life is right. decreased. And instead of looking at, well, if you're good, you'll get 30 minutes of recess today. Like, no, no matter what, you should do this. You, right. Like, this is a necessity for you to do every day. Right. Start that habit young. Right. Because it's a lot harder to start being active at 30 than it is at 13. And I think that's, I mean, and again, kind of like you can always pick on doctors when you're talking about the medical conversation. And you can pick on teachers or the school system when you're talking about education. But that also needs to be something that's modeled you know, and I think we have, and I, I think it's shifting. I think the mindset on health and medicine is shifting because it has to, because we've reached a point where that there's such, and you even see it with COVID. You see the numbers that have happened in the United States that if we weren't in the current health situation that we're in, and I think there's part of it is our medical community and how we're treating COVID, but that's another conversation. But just taking aside from just the medical interventions. If we weren't as, I'll just say, if we weren't as fat as we are, if we didn't have the diabetic issues that we have, if we didn't have the out-of-control inflammatory issues and the autoimmune and uh, suboptimal immune system functioning that we have, you would not see the number of cases and you would not see the number of fatalities that you see in our country. You know, So it's like, it does, it, does it take something like this? To, to really get us to realize like, it. Should this be a wake up call? That's right. It shouldn't be a wake up call. You know, but, and, and you I would mean, you would think you would think it would be. You would hope. You would hope because yeah. there's good eventually there's a point there I think you cross a point of no return eventually. You know, where you just can't you can't just keep throwing money at something. You know, yeah. where where the, the the amount of money that you're gonna pay on insurance premiums because of the amount of surgeries and medications uh, that people are having to undergo, it's just going to keep going up and up and up, and eventually it's just going to break the bank. Yeah, I mean, people look at personal training and gyms, and they're like, well, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's look down the line. Can you afford all these medications, right. this chemotherapy, this drug, this right. surgery? Can you afford taking off 20 years from your life? Can you afford not being right. able to move all day? Right. Like, what are you... What is your health worth? Right. And like you I mean like you alluded to before, some of that is a some of that's a financial I mean a lot of that's a financial conversation for people because they're like, listen, I'm already paying this much money. If they're average American, I'm spending ten thousand dollars a year on healthcare related things. And you're asking me to pay out of pocket because my insurance provider won't subsidize my gym membership, mm-hmm. won't subsidize my nutritional supplements, won't subsidize my personal training. But you your know? insurance provider makes you pay all this money for you to see your doctor for seven minutes. That's right. Like, why are you That's doing that? Right. Like, yeah, I get having insurance for accidents and emergencies, but if you don't have any underlying health conditions... That's it. So the Yeah, so if you need catastrophic coverage, but, but should you... Do we need to spend $10,000 a year on that? No, you don't. But again, that's... That's a broken medical system that is being mimicked 
by a broken insurance system. Yeah. So I, I almost don't even blame the insurance companies because they're not medical experts. They're just looking at what conventional medicine is telling them to do. And they're saying, okay, if that's the standard of care for that condition, then that's what we're going to cover. I think that's huge for people to realize. It's yeah. Like they are that's, not medical that, experts. And I think that's what people, what people don't understand. It's literally like a game of Simon Says. And you have the medical community doing one thing over here, and then you have the insurance companies are literally just mimicking them. Yeah. So, and I think people are like, well, you know, this is, they want to go into a conversation about, well, we need to have a single payer. This needs to be single payer. And it's like, yeah, we need reform. And is there, is there greed on the insurance side? Sure. Is there greed on the medical side? There is. Yeah. But what we need more than anything is reform on the medical side. We also need, the other side of that is we need a, a reform in lifestyle. You know, and I don't know who leads that. I mean, I think it's it's individuals, it's okay. gra- it's grassroots, unfortunately, because I think a lot of our health agencies at the government level and the state levels are so co-opted. Not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's just true. I'm very big in the they're so they're so in bed it. with, and they're so co-opted by big medicine, medical device uh, well, manufacturers. Not like senators, lawmakers, they're not medical they're not, they're, they're not. That's right. Not and so doctors. and so when the pharmaceutical company is the most powerful lobbying group in the United States, which it has been for 20 years, followed by the insurance company. Should, that should say something. That should say something. So it's like, listen, when these are your two, and you can go on, what is it, opensecrets.org, and you can look at this information yeah, yourself. All yeah, <laughs> but it's, I mean, when, when insurance... And the pharmaceutical companies are number one and number two. And the pharmaceutical company is allowed direct-to-consumer advertising in this country, which is the absolute exception rather than the rule worldwide. What do you expect? Why are you making money off of sickness? Right. Like people say all the time, we're, what we have here is sickness care, not health sick. care. Yeah. And like you said, I think it does start at the grassroots. Like I think it starts with me and you and yeah. me educating my patients and my parents. Like When people come in here, I... Fortunately, working here, I have a ton of time with them. Like, my favorite part is to get to sit down and, like, learn everything I can about their life. And then, obviously, that grows over the the course of their treatment. But what's your sleep like? What's your nutrition like? How's your job? Do you like your job? What about your family, your social life? Like, what are you eating? How do you feel? And most of the time, at least a lot of, you know, with chronic pain, that pain is not related to a tissue. It is fully systemic. It is something in their brain. You know, we could go on pain science. It is stress. It is recovery. Right. And it's like, you can't just, I mean, you could, you could be a bad doctor just as easily as you could be a bad PT of Mm -hmm. like, let me just treat this symptom. That's right. My knee has hurt for 20 years. Oh, well then it's probably your meniscus. Like, no, it's probably not because your meniscus is, if it was your meniscus, it like for 20 years, something has changed, but you still have pain. It just doesn't, so I feel like it just starts with all of us. Right. And, and that's un- and I think that's unfortunate because it should start, you would hope, it would start at the highest level. Well, right? it should that it start in school. Yeah, it should start in school. It should start when you're in, in kindergarten, you know, and it should start from there. And then it should also be backed by the CDC, the FDA, the USDA, NIH, like all of these uh, government organizations that are supposed to be experts, the World Health Organization, that are supposed to be experts, you would think that. But again, when you allow the financial the financial side of it to muddy the waters, you know, and to say, hey, we actually don't want to do public health public health campaigns for lifestyle stuff because it might encroach on our pharmaceutical profits. That's a that's a huge conflict. You don't have your best interest. That's a huge conflict of interest, yeah. and I think what you know. 
there's a place for all of that, but that, that integrative model is going to require major change. And it's yeah. gonna, it would mean that if the integrative model got moved forward, the pharmaceutical companies and big med tech would take a huge hit. And because they are the top uh, lobbying groups and because they have so much um, advertising influence, that's, that's just that's going to be a battle. But you, but you have to come – I think you have to circle back to the data and saying, listen, we have to do this. I know there's people that, that might lose their jobs on the pharmaceutical side. I get that, and that's terrible. We don't want to – I mean, you deal with the same like thing with energy. That's, that's right. And you say, listen, but that's, that's what innovation is, is you, know, you hate to see people lose their jobs. But that's right. If, if this is going to lead us to a dead end – you know, then we have to make a change, you know, but you're, you're right. It's, I think it starts at, at grassroots, but there also has to be some kind of reform at the top. Oh yeah. And like, know? I have to remind myself all the time, like I live in a bubble. I live in a health, wellness, and fitness bubble. All my friends, PT students, CrossFit athletes. So it's like, I right. think that everybody knows these things and then I'll go talk to someone, you know, a patient, a parent, a relative. Right. And I realize like, this isn't general knowledge, which is fine. I don't have a lot of the knowledge that my parents have or blah, blah, blah. But it is, like, I feel like it is my duty to, like, help share that knowledge. Right. And in a way that's not like, oh, you haven't been doing this or this is wrong. But in a way that's like, hey, I have this knowledge. Right. I can help you. Right. In a way that no one has before. Right. Exactly. And I think that's it. It's presenting it to say this is an opportunity. You respect the person's ability to choose. Yeah. You know, and say, hey, this is there for you if you want. If you, if you don't want more health, you can keep doing what you're doing. If you want to increase your risk of running into a preventable illness, you can. But this is evidence-based, studied this, it's backed by other people. This approach works. It might not be the most harmful. It's the least harmful. It's the one that does the least harm. It might not be the most invasive. That's right. And it might not be the most popular. And I think it's part of the approach that I that I advocate for, it's a very organized, systematic approach because people that haven't that don't have this paradigm that don't see like the psychological piece, the social piece, the sleep piece, the exercise piece, the nutritional piece, the hygiene and body care piece, the stress piece, the medical piece, mm-hmm. you know, the drug use piece. The people that don't see all the pieces on on the board, they don't have that frame of reference. So they don't really have a place to start. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's some of it is there's a need for education. There's a need for curriculum. There's a need for a systematic approach. You know, just like with books, we have the Dewey Decimal System. We have a system to be able to put this information. And I think that's one of the things on the holistic side that's missing right now is we have a bunch of pieces of information yeah. kind of floating out there. How do but you put it all together? How do you put it together? It's a real gift to be able to to take this confusing, this what can be a confusing topic and present it to someone who's a layperson, you know, who like probably a lot of your patients who just say, I have this issue and, and you're basically saying, listen, I'm going to give you a whole different way to look at your health but one that you can take control of yeah. and one that's going to take the confusion and the feeling of being overwhelmed out of it. You what know? do you think the solution to that is? Um, I mean, that's, I call my company Agape Health Solution for a reason yeah. because I want to be solution focused. And I think it's, it's identifying what are those essential pieces that have the biggest influence on your health. I mean, I, I think it's all the things that we're talking about. I think it's the psychological piece is huge, the spiritual, mental, and emotional piece that can drive behavior, which drives whether you become healthy or not. I think the social piece is enormous. The psychosocial aspect of health is huge. And I think 
again, like with specialization, we've been very reductionistic and very mm-hmm. compartmentalized in our approach in the West. So like we have this whole mental health side and then we even have this spiritual health side that's disconnected Everything from the physical health. health. That's right. So they're, they, they're all kind of, they've all been disconnected from exactly. each other. Like everything's connected. Your brain. That's every, right. People, you know, people, there's a stigma too. It's all in your head. And I get so mad about that because right. it is. Your brain controls everything. If it wasn't in your head, you'd be dead. Like it's not a bad thing to note that everything is mental and physical. That's right. That's it's both. You cannot separate them. Right. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And I think that but that and you hear that from that people, especially with more complex conditions, fibromyalgia was a perfect example of this up until a few years ago when mainstream finally started recognizing it. I do a lot of um, hormone testing at the, Mm -hmm. the clinic that I work at. Um, especially with like adrenals and thyroid yeah. and sex hormones and uh, adrenal insufficiency or adrenal fatigue is like that now. The mainstream mm-hmm. medical community is not recognizing adrenal fatigue. Like but not recognizing like, is, is what? Well, but it's semantics. They're like, well, we recognize adrenal insufficiency. I'm like, it's, it's the same thing. The adrenal gland is tapped out because yeah. they've been in fight or flight and they've been stressed out and it can't pump out any more cortisol. So this person's energy levels are in the toilet. And so whether you recognize it or not, this is a physi- physiological reality. It is actually happening. But I, I, I think, again, it's the education piece. There isn't that paradigm of, and this is postmodernism. This has to do with we are hyper-empiricists. We only believe in what's material. You know? And so mm-hmm. some of this is a, is a worldview shift to say, listen, no, there is, there is the psychological piece and there's the physical piece. There's the mental piece, and we're not just talking about the brain, yeah. you know, and the social piece that also heavily influences that. And when when you have that understanding, I think as a provider, regardless of your specialty, then you can then you can probe that area. Then you can do a basic. Let me do a basic personality psychological profile on this person. You know, where are they? What are they struggling with? Is, is there depression? Is there anxiety here? What is their stream of consciousness? Do they have aversive mm-hmm. negative thinking patterns? You know, what's their social circle look like? Who are their three closest people in their life? Are they healthy? Are they not healthy? Are they building them up? Are they breaking them down? You know, so, but I think we've, we've, we've been so disconnected from that and saying that's the job of a a mental health professional, Mm -hmm. you know, and the social, it's like the, the, the social piece, like whose job is, that's a, that's a social worker. But I think that's part of the reform that needs to happen is, I mean, the biopsychosocial approach to health yes. is where we are looking at psychological, social, and physical. And, it's all one. And it's all one. And we're, and we're assessing all of those areas. That's absolutely essential. And I, like, I feel definitely for sure like, the, like let the professionals and the experts do their thing. But like I should have the resources to refer to someone who can better you know, handle someone's mental health. Like right. let me That's do right. what I'm good at. That's right. But it also takes a level of vulnerability to say, I will go see a therapist, a counselor, mm-hmm. or I will see a social worker. Cause it's like, there's been such a stigma of like seeing those people right. mean something's wrong. Right. And like, I'm even trying to shift that with PT. Like yeah. see, it's coming to PT. You don't have to wait until something is wrong. Right. Like it can just be overall, I think, you know, everyone's talking about wellness. It doesn't have to be prevention or it can be prevention. It doesn't have to be rehab. It can be wellness, checking in. Same thing with seeing a therapist, right. a nutrition coach. You don't right. have to wait until something has happened. That's right. Yeah. And it, and it really should be that like, that's your primary care physician. It's almost like it should be ongoing, you know, and whether that's, whether that's wrapped up into one person, which is probably asking too much, but it's like, no, you have this psychological part of you that you want to, 
you want to develop, you want to avoid psychosis. You know, I mean, with my background, I definitely have seen a, a lot of that. Um, but it's like you want you you want to avoid disease on a psychological level. You want to avoid disease and dysfunction on a social level. You know, and to have somebody in your and you definitely want to avoid it on a physical level. Well, we have people. Not there's not really a stigma on the physical side, mm-hmm. but social. Who is you know who is that person? A social worker? Well, we really don't have that. And then on the psychological side, on the mental health side, there is this, there's a stigma there too. You know, it's like it's well, we don't we don't do that until there's a major crisis. You know, yes. or until like you're in the you're slobbering in the corner. It's like why instead of viewing it as how do I prevent myself from getting sick? Why can't we view it? As how healthy can I be? Right. How fit can I be? Right. How healthy can I be in my mental health, in my nutrition, in right. my sleep? Instead of like, what do I need to do? What's the bare minimum for me to get by? Like, That's I, right. But also, I think because of the whole system, this integrative approach, a lot of people can't afford it, and yeah. a lot of people see, you know, a lot of people see cash base is greedy, and I'm like, the money is going somewhere. But when you go pay a copay in an right. outpatient ortho clinic. The PT isn't getting anything now. Right. It's the insurance companies who aren't even there, who aren't even in miles reach, right. who are on the phone right. telling the PT what they can get paid for. Right. So no matter what, the insurance companies have made it to where the money is the money is coming out and it is going somewhere. Right. But we are just transparent about it right. here. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in my class were like, Well, I just think it's greedy, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I think there is a place for insurance and there's obviously a place for cash base, but I don't think it has to be greedy. Right. I don't think integrative medicine has to be only for wealthy people or in affluent cities. Right. It's unfortunate that healthy food is more expensive. Going mm-hmm. to gyms costs money. It's like the government has had a say in this. Let's yeah. be honest. Right. Why are they being so divisive. Right. And, and it gets and it gets into some under, uncomfortable conversations too about is healthcare a right or isn't it? And I think you you can't divorce rights from responsibilities. You know, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a libertarian. So I, I would say I don't want the intru- I want to be able to have all of my own money. You know, and I want to be able to if you if you train up someone to be a, a selfless functional member in society, that person should be responsible with their cash and they should be able to grow it. You know, if there's if corruption is low, I mean, this is very idealistic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but to say, but like, I want, I would love to be able to have my own money and say that I don't have to, I don't have to have health insurance. You can have health insurance. You understand if you don't have health insurance and something happens that you could go into serious debt. But that gets that gets into conversations of of are you okay with that much freedom? Yeah. You know, and I think that obviously. We're not. We want security, but it's like, gosh, there's a cost. How much security? But how, how much, much security? And in, 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 in a system that's broken, is yeah. it really? Is it really? Is it really security? Is this yeah. like, oh, I'm I'm so glad that I have this coverage. Like I have I have health insurance through the marketplace. I got it in January. Do I love the coverage that I have? I don't love. I'm trying to get every little penny of value out of it, but there's still a lot of out of pocket out of pocket costs on yeah. my part because my plan doesn't mimic exactly the, the medical approach that I think is most valuable. You know, so there's things that I have to pay out of pocket. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a tough, like, needle to thread right now because when you have broken systems that need reform and then you're asking people to make a smart choice, their their hands are kind of tied behind their back and it just becomes more out of pocket, right? It's like yeah. it'd be one thing if, if it was like you get to keep all of your own money and you don't have to spend this ex- exorbitant amounts of money on health insurance premiums and then you get to take that extra $1,000 a month that you were spending on health insurance 
And you can go get your PT. You can go get a gym membership. You can spend extra money on supplements. You can go to your mm-hmm. chiropractor. You can go to your classically trained MD. Because if you're not you using that money, lab tests, that's you're right. still getting it. Like, that's if right. you're paying for insurance, <laughs> that's right. most healthy Americans aren't using it. Right. Like, and, like, obviously, like, we... I don't know how other people feel about this because I've obviously had experiences and I have this foundation of beliefs that has led me to feel this way about certain things. So I don't know what the experiences of other people, like, opinions about universal health care, health care is a right, responsibility, libertarian or not. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard for me to speak for those people. But it's like we are in this and we see it every day yeah. and I see people affected by it every day. and right. I. Sometimes I just want to shake people. And I'm like, why are you letting them control? And I, and I think it's like the fish doesn't know the water's wet. We're so used to spending yeah, this money. It's just the way it is. It's just the way that it is. And you can't. And, and when somebody says it actually doesn't have to be this way, you have no, there's no basis for comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, of being like, there's no way I could have that much extra money. And could I really take care of myself? And I think some of it too is when there's a, when there's a knowledge gap and, and, a lot of people are ignorant about how best to take care of their body. What's the gold standard when it comes to preventative care? Or if I run into an issue, what would be the treatments that I would do? I think that's some of it too, is to say, well, I'm going to outsource to insurance companies who are who I, I view as health experts when they're really not. Yeah. And they're just looking at a medical system. And I think that's some of it. I think that's a lot of it, actually. Like, have we given too much power? And, that, and that's what it is. And the reason that you give power... The reason that you're okay with giving away that power is you don't you you don't understand the you don't understand what the gold standard is. You don't understand what that should look like. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a vision of what's the ideal in this area, right? And that was to me, it was like I, there, there's always going to be a trust when there's there's a lack of I don't know um, an alternative. Like the, the med, to me, the medical community could do no wrong. Like as I was growing up, yeah. because like I, why would they? They've gone yeah. to school for as long as they've gone to school. Look at all of these big hospitals. Yeah, Look at the amount of money you, you're just gonna you're gonna trust your doctors. Definitely. And then when you run into an issue and you're in the system and you realize, wow, I'm spending this money or I'm going and seeing these people, and I'm seeing that I really needed to spend more time with that person, and I only got ten minutes. Like questioning I'm, it almost makes it just feel wrong. Like you right. you feel wrong for questioning. That's that's it. right. And and then you also come into the the question of how could something this big be this wrong? And then it gets dark and scary and you're like, I yeah, don't think about this anymore. Right. And, and yeah. I think that's the, the big piece of it. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people aren't willing to make that jump. They say, well, no, there's things that need to be tweaked. And I was like, what if I told you this? We need like major top-down reform. Yeah. I mean, you I know? think... That's scary though, because yeah. that's kind of like, well, that's revolutionary talk. I'm like, well, we're kind of at that point, we people. Are. We're spending yeah. all this money. Look at our outcomes. Look at what COVID did to us. And there's a reason like, that fit people aren't affected as much by COVID right. and metabolic disease. And, and you look at it like, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. It's like, imagine somebody going around and giving out a $25 fine. And you had cops that just said, we have to meet our quota. And we're just going to give out a whole lot uh, of $20, $25 fines. Well, if you have a lot of money in the bank, are you worried about a $25 fine? You're not. But if you have $17 in the bank and you get a $25 fine, you're in the negative. Mm-hmm. And then you're getting hit with late fees. And I think that's, and not to get in, you know, the COVID conversation, but it's, it's a little bit like that. It's like, how virulent is this virus? We don't know. Maybe it's getting less virulent now, but it's, it's, it's really dangerous if you're older and if you have major immune system and coexisting issues. 
If you are a healthy person with a healthy immune system and you have an innate and adaptive adaptive immune system, Mm -hmm. so you have NK cells, which are a type of lymphocyte, which are specifically designed to kill novel viruses, which this message absolutely has not gotten out there. Everybody's talking about antibodies and that's adaptive. And I'm like, listen, people, innate immune system and adaptive. Mm -hmm. The innate is the quick response system. And we have these natural killer cells that do that. And if your immune system is healthy, it's going to respond faster. You're going to have more NK cells. Mm -hmm. You're going to have more neutrophils, monocytes, all these wonderful white blood cells that we have. And you're going to deal with that. um, If it even gets in past your mucous membranes, you're going to deal with that virus. And that's And that's what a lot of people are doing. I think we're about to pass 1 million people who've recovered. And so a lot of people have done that. Yeah. But if your immune system isn't functioning that way because of your lifestyle or because you've trashed your gut or you're taking an immunosuppressant, you know, and corticosteroids are are notorious for being immunosuppressants, then you're, you're leaving yourself vulnerable. And you're basically that person with $14 in your pocket and the cop gives you the $25 ticket. And I think that's you what... You don't have a fighting chance. And you don't have a fighting chance, you know? And so, like you said, to shift your mindset of saying, what's the best way to avoid bankruptcy? Make more money. Have more money in the bank. What's the best way to avoid a preventable illness or a disease? Build up your health. That's, and, then, and then whatever happens, happens. But you know that in your power... You've done everything. You've you done can. all that. You've, you've yeah. taken the supplements you can. You've eaten healthy. You've exercised. And then if you get something, you get something. And we live in in a fallen world and we're not going to live forever, but you've at least done all the things that you can do to protect yourself. And I think that's the absolute best that you can do. Like how much defense can you provide? That's it. You have to go on offense. And and the answer is now probably more than ever a ton because with the amount of information we have at our fingertips and some people are like, well, Google's the most powerful search engine in the world. We also have all the PubMed data that's out there. We have all this clinical data that's available and a lot of it a lay person can understand. Obviously, there's some verbiage that's tough, mm-hmm. but we have all this information at our fingertips. You have Amazon that can deliver things in two days. You know, So you have all these, like in, in our area, in the Charleston area, you see more and more providers that are practicing from an integrative approach. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's like we have... We have these things in our backyard, but there's also more noise. There's also more information. There's also more there's probably so contrasting messaging. This I think that's it. That's what. That's it. Yeah. Like I am overwhelmed. Yeah. And I know how to sift through it. I know what right. they're talking about. So if someone who doesn't have knowledge of medicine is like, you just wish you could give that peace of mind yeah, to the person. You wish. I know. You wish you could say, listen. It's not that we both have the same access to the knowledge, but you're just getting confused. And sometimes it's like you just have to hold it. You just have to hold their hand. Yeah, just break it down. You know, and you do, and you just have to try to make it as simple as possible. And I think that's why having an organized approach, or having like 101, like this is your baby step. Start here. Do these one or two or three yeah. things first. And then we can graduate to the next thing. I you're think not going to change overnight. And no. like you really have to get into people's belief system. Why do they have this lifestyle? Why right. do they have this belief? And like you said, start small. Yeah. Because if you give them all of these things to do, it's almost like... System overload. I mean, it kind of sucks if I were to sit here and tell you, well, you're not doing this or this or this or yeah. this or this, right? You're like... Oh, yeah, I was already overwhelmed. Anymore. Right, yeah. I was already overwhelmed. Like, well, now shoot, I'm I have all this stuff wrong with me. Why would I want to come back? Right. Right. So that's, and I think that's the trouble is there's a lot of pieces, but you you do have to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's holistic and it's comprehensive, but it's like, what are the few action steps that you can take? And then I think the patience piece of just like, listen, this is, you maybe, maybe you didn't get into this situation overnight. You probably didn't unless you were hit by a car. And so to say, be patient with yourself, Mm -hmm. we might be able to deal with the pain and we might have some big, some breakthrough moments where a lot of pain goes away because of the therapy that we do, but understand it like, 
if this was years or decades in the making, it might take us a little while to and get out of okay. it. And that's okay. It's like having the responsibility without putting too much pressure and expectations on yourself. And I think that and I think that's freeing for people too, because they think, gosh, if I'm doing all of these things, it should be better in a week. Yeah. You know, and it's like, listen, give yourself a few months, give yourself six months, give yourself a year. I think that's a great point to be you like, know. you didn't get this way overnight. That's right. that's right. So like give yourself some time. That's right. Because honestly, normally it takes longer to fix something than it does you know it probably took who knows how long to get this way it will probably be longer to change your lifestyle for the positive and breaking habits is hard right and i think that's it too it's you're not just dealing on the physical side you're dealing with that psychological you have thinking patterns and just behavior patterns that's right that's right and just things that you're that you habitually do on a behavioral side that you have to break so but again and that just it, it just goes back to reiterating the importance of you have to be able to educate people in the healthcare community on we have to have basic tools for, psycho- for psychological, social, and physical. Not specialists, right? To say, hey, this person is really a, a mental health specialist. I- I'm going to refer you over here. Or this person really helps with social issues, you know. Uh, or this person is a specialist with um, orthopedic issues or musculoskeletal issues. And this person's a gastroenterologist. Now they're going to seven different people. Yeah, like, right. But, but, to have, but to at least have the basic information. Mm-hmm. Um and just to be, like you said, it's not just that on the provider side. This really is a curriculum. And this is the first time I've really had this conversation with somebody on. This starts at five years old. Like this starts as you're reading, writing, arithmetic. Mm-hmm. You know, teacher, how do I take care of my body? Like, and just giving kids essentials that kids should know. You need this much sleep. Like we need to move. Sitting at the desk for too long is not good. Mm-hmm. We need to be outside. We need fresh air for the vitamin. Uh, we need sunshine for yeah. vitamin D. And we need fresh air, you know. Like and you know these things are good for you, but you don't really know why. And you're that's like, oh, right. whatever. And like, that's right. And it's not taught in a structured way, yeah. you know. So that really does. You're right. It starts, it starts young and it starts at school. So we could probably talk about healthcare and government reform forever. But I want to know, like, what is your process like? If I come to you yep. day one on, like, how do you, yeah, how do you do what you yeah. do? Yeah, yeah. So the first step is I, I, I ask three questions. So, and these are really the three kind of pre-qualifiers to see if somebody's going to have good results with me, right? Because there's people um, who probably aren't ready for this yet. And so the, the first question really is, are you ready for change? And that just kind of probes like the psychological readiness. Like, are you kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired? Or even if you're not, even if this is just about prevention, are you are you committed? Mm-hmm. Like I need to know that you're committed, you know. That's, so I think that's great. I need yeah. the will I need the will to be involved, you know. So I had a girl, case in point, I had a girl this last week that lost and this is this is a little abnormal, but she lost seven and a half pounds, okay, in one week. Wow. And she's got yeah, and she's I mean she's got some weight to lose. Yeah. She's not real big, but she's she's got extra weight to lose. But she's ready for change. Like mm-hmm. her mindset is there, so she's doing she's doing a little keto and she's doing a little intermittent fasting. But she's strict about it because she just wants that weight off. You know what I mean? So I've just, I've seen that over 15 years. Ready for change. Um, Are you open to taking this approach? Holistic, integrative, evidence-based. Like we're going to look at all these pieces. Are you okay with that? It's integrative. So it's not all alternative. It's not Mm -hmm. all conventional. We're going to pick the best from both. And it's re- I'm really going to try to advocate for things that are evidence based. Most people are say are say uh, will say yes to that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you know, is this something that that you can commit time to? Obviously, you have to be able to commit the the, re- the financial resources mm-hmm. to it. But are you okay with committing time to this? Some people are so busy, they're like, I'm ready for change, but I don't have time for it. And it's like, well, then maybe 
I, we need a little bit of time. We mm-hmm. need time for the exercise piece. You need time for the nutritional piece if we're not going to do prepared meal services. So those are the three things. If they answer yes to those questions, then we do a, um, a pretty comprehensive health assessment that I send them via email. Mm-hmm. So they have a questionnaire that they fill out. Uh, there's two different versions of that. One is very involved. That takes like 45 minutes for people that want that. They mm-hmm. really want to go deep. Uh, but the other one is about 60 questions. And it... Uh, um, it probes all the 12 different body systems, and then we do all the health areas like we talked about. Inherited genetics, past trauma, sleep, exercise, nutrition, stress, medical and dental interventions. So we really just get that kind of bird's eye view of like what's going mm-hmm. on with their body, what's going on with their lifestyle. And then after that, we have an initial session where we do goal, set, um, we do goal setting on the assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we basically go through their assessment. Um, before that session, I'll review labs. Mm-hmm. So if they have any labs that they've done in the last six to 12 months that they okay. want to send, they'll send those over. Are there any labs that you like for sure always want? Um, I, I, I mean, most of the standard labs, I have, I have my own preferences. Yeah. Um, so I love the organic acids test. Uh, I mean, obviously the CMP is what everybody, everybody's going to run CMP. I get a lot of CMP. I get a lot of CBC, um, the complete blood count. Mm-hmm. Obviously we get a lot of lipid panel, sometimes 25 hydroxy vitamin D is getting run mm-hmm. more and more. Yeah. Just that that kind of standard vitamin D test. But the organic acids test is a fantastic test. Mm-hmm. Like 80 different markers, a lot of gut, a lot of gut yeah. markers, a lot of B vitamins, vitamin C, CoQ10. Um, it shows some metabolic um, kind of like alternative kidney markers, uric acid, lactic acid, mm-hmm. ammonia levels, things like that. So that's a really helpful one. I think a big gap right now on the lab test side is gut microbiome testing. Yeah. Uh, we're really, we really don't test. That's not a standard test that's run by most providers, mm-hmm. right? And most insurance companies don't cover it either. So that's, again, I mean, we could ram. Why would they? Why would you cover the gold standard test? <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, of all the things that probably need to change on the diagnostic side with lab tests. And I think it's going to happen hopefully soon, but that microbiome test will start to be covered, just like your comprehensive metabolic panel and your lipid panel mm-hmm. and your basic thyroid panel. Yeah. So, uh, no, there's there's definitely a handful of tests that I like to see. And what some people will do is if they have a meeting with their um, um, with their provider, whatever, whether it's a specialist or if it's just um, their primary care physician, they'll say, hey, I want to run these tests first. And so I'll send them a list of tests that I really like, and sometimes they'll pick those out. It's really neat with the direct-to-consumer lab tests mm-hmm. co- um, services right now. So some people don't even want to go to the provider, and they'll pay out-of-pocket for them and try to get insurance to reimburse them. So you can just go to LabCorp or Quest mm-hmm. if it's a blood draw, or they'll just send you your stool sample or urine sample. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of the assessment. I really I think it's, it's hard to manage what you don't measure. And so I think one of the big gaps right now on the healthcare side is we don't do most providers don't do a comprehensive assessment Mm -hmm. and that's that's labor intensive i mean it sounds it's a lot i haven't even met it's a lot no it is and so it's it's because so many things you know you could have there's so many things that can affect i mean you have 28 essential vitamins and minerals right so if you have one severe micronutrient deficiency it could have a significant effect you know, if the thyroid is out of whack, if the, if, if the T3 and T4 are low, um, then we could have a thyroid issue. If our uh, adrenals, if cortisol is low, then yeah. we, could be, we could be at different stages of adrenal fatigue. So you want every piece of the puzzle. 
as much as I can. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the stuff we're just going to go off of of symptoms and the assessment. I think there's a place, I mean, you don't have to have lab work, obviously, or medical imaging. You know, yeah. I mean, like with, with you, it's like, do I ha- do we have to have medical imaging on this? Well, it's like based on symptoms and I'm palpating and we did a movement analysis. I'm 90% sure it's yeah. this, you know, so some of that you rely on your clinical expertise, but, but as much information as we can. And then it's really, we formulate a health plan and I we call it a health blueprint. So it's really just like you wouldn't start building a house before writing up a blueprint. It's like, we're going to write up just a basic health blueprint. So we're going to cover... And, and we'll talk about the psychological piece. We'll talk about the social piece um, because my background is degree in psychology yeah. and sociology. That's how you got started. That's how I got started before I ran into my autoimmune condition. Mm-hmm. So I love being able to use some of those tools still. Definitely. And then also it's like, what's our little sleep plan? What's our exercise plan? What's our nutrition plan? And then just trying to keep it very basic to start. And it really depends on, and you probably see this, it depends on the health IQ and the capacity of that person. Yeah, you got to meet them where they're at. You do. And some people have to, it has to be like, I'm going to give you one thing. Mm-hmm. And I want you to do this one, on this one thing. This one thing. Yeah. I'm not going to give you two. I'm going to give you one. And other people are like, I can give you 12. Because you have the time exactly. and you have and you have a background you're in prepared. this. And you're prepared. So it, it's really knowing who your patient is or who your client is. And then really that's the beginning of the coaching process is after that blueprint is built then we're just executing. So then it's support, accountability, motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, they get access to my book. Some of them will go on and, and sign up for the online course. Do they come see you? Is it once a week, once a month? So once. A, so the first week is two times a week because oh, wow. it's that onboard week. Yeah. And I've just found that people have more questions and we need a yeah. little more FaceTime. So most of this is online. So I, I use Google Drive So or any cloud account, but most of the time it's Google do Drive. Do you do a lot of remote coaching? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's almost great. exclusively that. Oh, okay. So yeah. Huh. So the coaching piece is almost exclusively remote. I mean, if people want to meet locally, I'll mm-hmm. do it face-to-face. Like um, the patient to the chiropractic clinic, obviously our stuff there is face-to-face, mm-hmm. but everybody else is, is pretty much remotely. How you do know? people find you? Um, usually, um, I have an email marketing list, um, like, a little bit of social media yeah, I stuff. I saw, yeah. A little I bit. I saw you had some, yeah. some marketing for sure. Because I think the remote coaching, you know, it's, what is it, SteadyMD, they're doing the functional med docs, kind yeah. of like the integrative approach because it's hard to find people right. that do this. Right, And so now to limit yourself to just people that are in 20 miles of you. Right. When we have this amazing computer right. that we have seen in the past few months, like, right. is you know, Zoom, working from home, like there's many ways to do things and I think, virtually. And I think that's what's neat about where we're at, especially kind of, hopefully we're post-COVID, but at least in the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. is that people are more comfortable, you know, doing video ba- video conferencing. Mm-hmm. People are hopefully more comfortable working from a cloud, from some kind yeah. of cloud folder, some like kind of cloud account. Like there's still a lot of value. I think before right. people were, you know, there's not as much value, blah, 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 but like, it's honestly just a convenience thing. It's like, right. could have this been an email? That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And to save people to drive. So, yeah. I mean, for local people, obviously, I make it available for face-to-face yeah. because there's something cathartic oh, definitely. about face-to-face meeting. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, just the convenience factor. And I think that's where we're at. Too. We just want convenience. You know, we have, we have this uh, electronic... Um, we have these capabilities, so we might as well use it, yeah. you know, to help fill gaps. So that's really it. I mean, there's... There's some tracking stuff that we do for people that have wearables. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I'm, I'm big on you, you can't manage what you don't measure. So we do a lot of tracking and then trying to coordinate too with providers. So I try to make myself available. Like if, if I need to have a conversation with a provider, I try to make myself available for that. So, I mean, eventually I'd love to see like a multidisciplinary center. Mm-hmm. I think um, everybody who sits I know, right? Chairs. I've said that. Yeah. I said, I say, please, please. <laughs> but it's, you know, we, and, and at Atlantic Spine Clinic, they, we do a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's at the end of the month or at the end of the week, we'll talk about each client and kind of what's going on yeah. with them. But I, I think that's, that's definitely best practice, you know? And yeah, it would be awesome to have just like an all in one integrative center where it's like you had all, all your essential providers there. You had your, your PTs and you had, you know, a chiropractor who was competent and you had your, you know, nutrition coach. You I know, right? That's right. You had your nutritionist, you have, you have a personal trainer. You have, that's yeah. right. You have a, a primary care physician. I think that's you what have we all dream about. That's it. it. And that everybody has kind of this shared view it's of like the holistic, office. integrative, yeah. multidisciplinary, coordinated care, mm-hmm. you know, and you had a model that worked for that, which it probably would be cash based. Or in, unless yeah. we get major insurance and like reform. you said, like it's labor intensive. And we're not it saying is. that it's easy. We're saying that it's worth that, it. See, that's, and that's, couldn't have said it better myself. Like that's it. This is, this whole approach is not the easiest approach, but it is the approach that works. And it's the approach that's sustainable. You know yeah. what I mean? I wish it was easier, but the fact that it works, I'm just glad that it's available, mm-hmm. you know? So what do you feel like is the biggest thing that you see? that you need to make a change. Like you've talked a lot about yeah. gut health and mm-hmm. like we could probably do a whole other podcast on gut health. Yeah. Cause I have no, like, I don't know really anything about it. Yeah. So what do you feel like is, what's like the first fix? Yeah. Most of the time. I, I think really, I mean, I, I talk a lot about gut health, I think partly because of my background, but also because the more that I research, the more I see the microbiome as kind of being the hub of, of, of holistic health, mm-hmm. especially, you know, we talked a lot about the systemic metabolic diseases that we're dealing with. If you think about the gut, I mean, just, just the intestines, okay, apart from pancreas and liver and, and the renal system, like this is where digestion kind of begins and ends, right? Like in the mouth and ends in the duodenum. And then most of the absorption happens in the small intestine. Most of elimination happens in the large intestine. So it's like my digestion of all my essential nutrients. Mm-hmm. So I have five functional macronutrients. I have 28 essential micronutrients. Everything that my cells and tissues need, aside from oxygen from my lungs and vitamin D that I can get from the sun certain times a year, all of that comes from my gut. And if I have unresolved um, gut infections, whether that's parasitic, bacterial, fungal, or viral, um, if I have that going on in my gut, that's going to have a systemic effect. You know, so we, and I've got three and a half pounds worth of flora in my gut. I have forty trillion. I know it's bigger than your brain. So your your gut flora actually weighs more than the average adult brain. So you have three and a half pounds of mostly bacteria with a little bit of yeast, and it's forty trillion bacteria and yeast, which are more than this thirty trillion cells in your body. So you have this whole symbiotic organism living inside of you. Very and we good. know, and we don't, and we, we're not talking about it. At least on the, on the main, we're starting to talk about it more and more, but people just have no idea, you know? And that gut dysbiosis, when dysbiosis and imbalance happens in the gut, it's going to affect the rest of your body. It has to, mm-hmm. just because of the way your body is built and the yeah, way your body is created. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the starting point is, for a lot of people, is if you can get the gut right, you know, and you have to, and to be able to get the gut right, that goes back to testing. We have to know what's going on there. 
you know, and you can definitely do endoscopies, upper GI, lower GI. You can do a small, uh, what's called a capsule endoscopy where you're looking at the small intestine and you're going to your gastro, your mm-hmm. gastroenterologist. But the starting point is we're probably just going to do a stool test. We're going to do a microbiome test and we're going to find out the, the gold standard one is called the GI map test by Diagnostic Solutions. But it's going to test a bunch of parasitic markers, bacterial, fungal, and yeast markers, and some kind of pancreatic enzymes, and occult blood to see if you have blood in your stool, because you might have polyp, oh, you know, gosh. to see if you have polyps or whatever you have yeah. going on. But it's going to j- at least show you the basics, other than an invasive test. Mm-hmm. What's going on in my gut? And I think if you can start... I get very systematic with health, but I start with the gut and then I move to the liver mm-hmm. a lot of times and then I move to the kidneys because if we can get the intestines cleaned up and then if we can get the liver, we have 100 million Americans, 40% of American adults have non-alcoholic fatty liver. The reason we don't hear about it is because there aren't pharmaceutical drugs for it yet, which is kind of mm. which is kind of sad, right? Once we got once we start getting pharmaceutical drugs for non-alcoholic fatty liver, everybody's going to know about yeah, it. But until you get to until you get to hepatitis and cirrhosis, mm-hmm. which is more in stage, then we're not dealing with NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or we're not dealing with the first stage, which is non-alcoholic fatty liver, mm-hmm. which is usually a result of excess the medications we're taking and too many refined carbohydrates. You know. So for the gut. For the gut. It tells you whatever you test, it'll tell you something. It'll tell you and something. And what do you do from there? That's right. So what we do from there is usually elimination diet is step number one. Okay. And we need to cut out the hyperallergenic pro inflammatory items. We have to get things out of there. It'd just be like on the musculoskeletal side. You have to stop doing the things that are injuring you. Like that step before we can get therapeutic, mm-hmm. we have to stop doing the things that are injuring you. So it's like for most people, wheat and gluten is is up there. Most dairy is up there, so that's lactose and A1 baby casein protein, also known as the devil in the milk. And then uh, it's a great book called The Devil in the Milk. It's Wait, a really it's good read. It's called it's a casein protein. Okay. It's a type of casein protein called A1 oh. baby casein protein. If you go to the store, you might see A2 milk. A2 milk does not have Whoa. A1. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. So the devil in the milk. And then obviously our refined sugars. Yeah. And, and so those are the big three. So I'm like, and uh, obviously if we've done allergy testing, then we can get some mm-hmm. other things out like peanuts and non-organic um, and soy and non-organic eggs yeah. and stuff like that. But those big three, we get those out and then we have to balance macronutrient intake. Okay. You said five. I said five. Water, fiber, protein, fat, carbs. Okay. So water, most people water. think three. I was like, three. Three. What? what is he doing? I think okay. he meant to say three, protein, fat, carb, but the, but not obviously not to forget about water, yeah. which is a, which and fiber I, I put in its own category mm-hmm. because fiber does not function the same way. Even though we put it underneath carbohydrates, yeah. it doesn't function like a carbohydrate. You know whether it's soluble or insoluble, it's really not broken down. So it's filler. It's a bulking agent. You know, so water fiber uh, and that kind of goes gets in the Atkins side where yeah. your net carbs are your mm-hmm. total carbs minus fiber. So it's, but that education piece, I mean, so much of it is like going through all of this stuff with a client. I mean, you know, you you have a basic understanding of some gut health, but but a lot of people like their head starts spinning. And that's why I realized like I have to write a book and I have to lay this stuff out Mm -hmm. because I'm only going to be able to communicate so much information, you know, in a, uh, I have 25 minute sessions. The first session is 50, but 25 minute sessions after that, I can only communicate so much information in 30 minutes. Mm You know, but if that person's ready for change and if they're hungry for knowledge, then I can give them curriculum, which they get. And like, do you have five to 10 minutes a day, six days a week? I want you doing a little bit of reading, just five or 10 minutes a day. Yeah, easy. Can you give me that? That's right. Just that slow drip. 
mm-hmm. you know, of kind of essential knowledge. So, but yeah, that's it. Um, so elimination diet, um, we balance the macronutrients and then the supplementation piece. We usually look at a probiotic mm-hmm. unless they have SIBO. Uh, and then some kind of uh, prebiotic a lot of times as well to mm-hmm. kind of feed the probiotic unless they're just great about eating vegetables. And then um, sometimes a functional fiber like a psyllium. And then, uh, and then we – that's really the starting point. Sometimes we'll get into glutamine because that's great for leaky gut because the intestinal cells, that's the primary amino acid that they eat. But if people have anxiety issues, which 40 million Americans do, they don't do well on glutamine. Really? Because it converts oh. to glutamate, okay. which is an excitatory neurotransmitter. Yeah, then you get into the whole, so there's the immune system side of it, but then there's the mood side of Mm -hmm. it. And that is when we talk about this infusion of mental health and physical health, it's like, oh my gosh, the enteric nervous system, my gut, the gut-brain axis, that 90% of the serotonin in my body is synthesized in my gut and 50% of the dopamine. And you think about all these things as being brain things. Mm -hmm. And it's like these things start here. A lot of them, not all of them, not GABA. But a lot of them start here. And that the O test is really cool because it, it shows you your excitatory neurotransmitters and your inhibitory. And if those are out of balance, you usually see, oh, I've got a lot of anxiety. Well, their inhibitory neurotransmitters are low and their excitatory neurotransmitters are high. So they're, they're kind of gigged up. Like they've been turned up to 11. Well, that's also what Parkinson's. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So dopamine, uh, there's usually a, a major dopamine deficiency yeah. in Parkinson's patients. So like if Parkinson's something that is preventable right absolutely 100 percent. and the question is is it something that's treatable same thing with like the alzheimer's that's right and there's there's a great book by dr dale bradenson called uh the end of alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and he's a he's an md he's a physician and he's and he's he's got like 30 36 different markers and he was like these are the things that i've found that predispose you but again it's a holistic approach Mm -hmm. it's not like it's one thing here's the one medication you take it's amyloid plaque in the brain He's like, no, it's all these various things that are influenced by your lifestyle. Exactly. You know, like you said, it's not easy, but you you can start to take control of this. You know, and that to me, that's what's so exciting about all of this is it's like all these things that you just thought were a death sentence. Exactly. You don't you have know? to leave it up to genetics. You don't. You, you don't, don't have to leave it up to, well, this might happen later on in life. And I'm gonna cross my fingers and I'm just gonna hope yeah. that it doesn't. And it's like, no, you can take control of that right now. And I hope that that message gets out, and I hope that that paradigm is shifting. And I think it is, especially in younger generation. I think the gen, I think there's a generational gap on some of it about how we view this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at, especially Gen Xers and the Millennials and Gen Y, I think we're much more critical. We're much more likely skeptical. to. We're much more skeptical, mm-hmm. and we should be. And we're we're more likely to. Um, you know, to kind of take control, like to be in the driver's seat of our own health. And it's it's your health, it's, it's your, your body. That's right. And it's like you can sit here all day and tell me all the things I need to do and I can come see you twice a week, but if I don't that's do it. any of them, that's right. have you even done your job? That's it. No, like, and that's why you have to be ready for change. And yeah. to me, it's like I want to probe that. And like I could, you, it's okay if you're not 100% fired up and you're a little down, but you at least have to say, I want to make changes. Yeah. It's going to be hard to give up this food. It's going to be hard to not watch three hours of Netflix at night. Oh, it's it's going to be hard to yeah. like not drink myself into a coma two days a week on the weekends. And I'm like, okay, but you at least want to make that change. Yeah. You know? And it's, again, is it, it's hard to do those things, but is it harder to live a 
very low quality of life. That's right. That's right. You got to decide for yourself. That's right. What are you willing to give up? And that's usually why they come to see me or they come to see you because it's like, we're at that point where it's Mm -hmm. like, listen, I, this is harder to do it this way. Mm -hmm. The discipline is going to be easier than me just suffering the consequences. For like how you figured out you had an autoimmune disorder. Right. Like I can't tolerate it. I could. And and that was it. I I was like, it's it's uncomfortable trying to do the things to get out of this. And it's Mm -hmm. frustrating at times. But I know that if I don't do anything, it's not going yeah. to take me to the like What's to the place. more uncomfortable here? That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pain's a great motivator. So what do you do for fun? <laughs> what? <laughs> when I'm not ranting yeah. and, doing, and going, do down rabbit, going down rabbit holes. <laughs> um, I mean, I really have gotten into, te- I've been playing tennis mm-hmm. a lot um, the last six months. So I play some singles and doubles tennis, which I'm really enjoying. Um because I rolled my ankle really bad last year playing basketball, which I love. And I played basketball in college. But it was one of those things of realizing, like, what's sustainable for me? Where'd you go to college? Um, I went to college at a place called Emporia State in Kansas. Oh, okay. Played some Division II basketball okay. out there. So right in the middle of the country. As far oh, away wow. from the beach as you can possibly exactly. get. Which is why I live here. That's landlocked. Funny. Totally landlocked. So tennis, uh, sand volleyball. What else? I drink too much coffee. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is a th- yeah, which is a thing. Uh, hang out at the beach. Um, which beach is your favorite around here? I probably like Isle of Palms, even though it's a little busy. I like Sullivan's just to chill. Yeah, and I'm too lazy to go out to Folly, mm-hmm. but I like IOP. Well, Sullivan's is being picky, you know. I know and you can't. You, right, I heard that. Yeah, I just heard that today. I didn't realize you so can't. Everybody's going. You can't hang you out. Can, you have to walk. You yeah, can I, bring a towel. But uh-huh. if you bring a chair or a cooler, you oh, can get a ticket. Then you have to, that's weird. Those things encourage people to stay. That's right. And to hang out and congregate. Yeah. yeah. Well, Olive Palms was a madhouse this weekend. Oh, yeah. It What's your crazy. favorite food? Fav- oh, man. Favorite food. That's like one singular food? That's really hard. What, that's really hard. What do you eat the most of? I probably have a lot of fat in my diet. Mm-hmm. That I mean, from a macro point of view, I have a, I have a hot, very, very high fat diet. A lot of almonds. Probably too many nuts because I, I tell my clients like they're don't just eat. So easy. I know they are, and they're yeah. so satisfying. Are you and the like texture. Being in olive oil. Yeah, so I do a lot of olive oil. Uh-huh. I do a lot of coconut oil. Coconut milk. Like my brother, he could just I live just, off fat. Yeah, I'm a high a high fat diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, animal protein, vegetables. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. your favorite vegetable? Uh, broccoli oh. and raw onions on salad. Weird. Yeah. What's your favorite restaurant in Charleston? Um, five loaves. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been to their brunch? Uh, I haven't. Oh, it's so no. good. I mean, you know that we have a, a First Watch that just opened, which is somewhat healthy. You know about First Watch? No. Brunch. It's a brunch place in oh, town center. Oh, Check. Put it on your radar. Yeah. I mean, it's like my brunch is like I go for the mimosas and whatever, you know, like probably bad for you. Yeah, that's is. what I did yesterday. <laughs> Where'd you go? Uh, my girlfriend's parents' house. Oh, nice. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do for exercise? Um, any ball sport. Okay. Yeah. So like not, I'm just in the gym working out. But more I like don't love, I don't, yes. Like the fun. And I think that's like, I think you have to have at least, a, you have to have a good bit of fun in your fitness for it to be sustainable. Oh, yeah. If it's all horrible or you, you have to, it. or you have to exercise with someone you love yeah. and you really like their company. If you're going to do something you hate, but I don't love the gym, uh, which is why I do CrossFit because they make me do it. Yeah, and so, it's, it's social too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I couldn't do six days. Well, like, I have friends that go to Crunch six days a week, mm-hmm. and they're on like Bro Split, and I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah, I can't work out alone. I can't work out. I can't. I can't. Or, like do... in a dark room, not mm-hmm. talking to anyone. Yeah, like, exactly. No. I'm over on the treadmill trying to have a conversation. Right, right. 
Maybe that's why I don't get that's a lot right. of That's why. Yeah, exactly. All right. What's your favorite book that you haven't written? Oh, my gosh. I have. It's, this is so bad. One of my New Year's resolutions was to read more books. Same, but I've been, I've been I, like two. I know. And yeah. I'm terrible because I'm so, I go on Flipboard at night and I just research. So... That is a You're real, still getting good content. I am. Yeah. I'm still reading. I'm yeah. not just watching Netflix or Amazon Prime. But what is it? That's a really good question. I don't have a good answer That's for that. Okay. I understand. I really, it's been like probably over a decade since I've read a book cover to cover. What's your favorite research article? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot of them. I don't know. There's hundreds. There's That's hundreds. Funny. What's your favorite, like, you know, PubMed, Google Scholar? PMC, like, yeah, PMC. PMC? Okay. Yeah, I love PMC. That's so funny. Yeah, I love geeking out on that What's stuff. What's your favorite Netflix show, if you have one? Um. Oh, man, I can't answer this. I can't answer this publicly. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, wait, hold on. <laughs> so, so, probably, can I answer this? Probably down, okay, so Downton Abbey is probably oh my, my favorite show. I've never show. seen that, actually. Then followed by, to make up for it, followed by Grimm. Oh. And, um... Yeah, Grimm is in Suits. So I would probably say Downton Abbey, Grimm, and Suits. I've never seen any of those. Really? Yeah. What's your favorite? Netflix? Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. Parks and Rec. So, and the, well, I always put The Office in the top five, too. Yeah. Parks and Rec is top ten. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen The Office? Yeah. No, I've watched Parks It didn't grow. It hasn't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, had, I, had to, I had to stick with it. At first, okay. I was like, this is not as funny as Parks and Rec, and now I think it's funnier. Really? Stick. Yeah. I just feel like Parks and Rec is like loud, 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 funny. It is. Like, I just love the it. The Office took me a while. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves both of them. Yeah. Okay. So, I... I feel like everybody in like medicine is like if people would just do this. Mm. What is your if people would just do this? I'm like if everybody would lift weights. Mm. If everybody, I don't think I would even say it's a behavioral thing because I think it starts between your ears. You know, I think if people would just, um, I don't value. I don't know. This sounds real, like uh, general and ambiguous. But oh yeah. That just value. Be excited about health. Be enthusiastic about health. Yeah. Like just make it a priority. You know, I think, and I well, to make it not to get too esoteric, but to have a vision of yourself as a healthy person. I think one of the starting points is you have to visualize yourself as a healthy person yeah. because if you internal if. If that's your identity, you're going to do mm-hmm. things that match up with that. Yes, I but if that. you tell yourself, I'm unhealthy, I'm fat, I will never X, Y, Z, then don't be surprised if you do behaviors that, mm-hmm. you know, that mirror that. I always like to ask people, like, what would your life look like if you were healthy and you yeah. didn't have this problem? Yeah. How would your life look like if you didn't get rid of this problem? Right. Or like, what would, how would, where would you like to be? In right. I like, think that's great because that's, that's right. Because that's a visualization exercise. And they're like, that's Oh, awesome. I don't have to be in this or like my life. I like, I like the way that you did that though, because it, you made it like personal. Like what were the things and you can just picture them with other people or doing mm-hmm. things that they like to do. So it really like makes it real. I think like good. figuring out people's wives. Yeah. You know, everybody has a deep down why. Yeah. Of why? Whether right. Self worth, quality of life. I mean, there is right. a reason other than like, I want to be able yeah. to lift this weight like what does lifting this mean yeah. to you you're getting married in three months and you want to look good in your dress yeah like i want to feel <laughs> like well, good. what is your what is your why exactly yeah, yeah. all right where can we find you where can our listeners find uh, you uh they can find me uh, <laughs> wandering around mount pleasant <laughs> at health food stores they can find <laughs> me <laughs> online at um agape health solution okay singular not plural and go on my facebook page um 
Yeah, they can go on YouTube. I'm starting to do more YouTube videos. TikTok? So, no, I'm not on TikTok yet. I'm not, I'm not a good enough dancer to be on TikTok. But, but you don't have to use it for that. Think about all the YouTube videos and think how you can make them a TikTok. So it's like a Ooh. short. Because everyone's like, I don't want to dance on TikTok. But you can make them just like short. I mean, I will. I'm videos. not a good dancer, but I will dance. I feel like you could be good on TikTok. Yeah? yeah okay. TikTok. Yeah. Okay, I'll talk fast. All right. I can do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank this you. Is probably one of the longest ones, but thank I love you, this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody. Thanks thank you, guys. Listening. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Healthy Charleston Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram, search Healthy Charleston, one word, like, follow, comment on today's episode. If you have any questions, comments, if you have possible guests that you want us to bring on, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, reach out there, send us a direct message. We would love some feedback. Also, if you get any extra time, head over to iTunes, give us a rating. Again, put comments there. We love your feedback. Have a phenomenal day.